couple of those of you who are online this morning, I just hope you feel a real part of us here gathered at Forward this morning. We are excited to be looking at the final part of our series. As Ian says, we're looking at Deploy, and we are on the second week of good, doing the Good Work series. Now, my message today is going to be do the work and make a difference. And this, we're looking at an incredible gentleman who is just an ordinary fellow who you might know by the name of Nehemiah. So um, we started looking at this last week. We started looking at this character. And I want to start the message by giving a few thoughts about where we are going, some thoughts about your own life, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God and see what he wants to speak to us. So here's what I'm guessing about many of you. I think there are probably many of you that feel at times a great burden. It's like a divine burden weighing upon your heart. It could be the needs that you see around you. It could be that you're seeing abuse, you're seeing neglect. You're just seeing places where people aren't living their best lives. You might see injustice and you think, somebody needs to be doing something about this. We see what's happening in nations beyond our own. We only turn on the television. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who hasn't been moved to pray. Father, we cry out to you for peace in the Middle East and every nation where there's conflict. May your kingdom come and your will be done among the nations. May many seek you at this time and receive a revelation of who you are and the love that you have for them in the name of Jesus. As the body of Christ, we should be moved as Jesus was to get involved in the lives of those that are around us, pointing them back to our Heavenly Father. Often the burden that we bear as individuals reveals the calling that we actually embrace. Now, I worked for a short time with a gentleman called Bill Wilson. And I think some of you are quite familiar with this man. So in the 1980s, he moved to New York and he was really moved by what he saw. The gangs, the violence, the, the, the prostitution, all the things that were happening to these young people. And he said, somebody has got to do something about this. And he made a decision and he began a ministry um, at the time I was working with him in, in 2000, it was called Metro Ministries. They'd been running for 20 years. And at that point, 26,000 children across Brooklyn and the Bronx of New York were experiencing sidewalk Sunday school. They would hear the good news about Jesus every week. Now this ministry has just mushroomed into 13 different countries, and it's reaching 250,000 children each and every week. Now, this might be exactly where some of you are right now. You're just really bothered by something. You see a need, and you're considering maybe doing something about it, or maybe, indeed, you've already started. But you have no idea how, when you step out in faith, the impact that that can have on the lives of so many people. As I said, the title of this message is Do the Work, Make a Difference. And we're going to journey back together to the year 587 BC. King 
Artaxerxes, who was a Babylonian king, was an evil king, and he had the people of Babylon go and invade Jerusalem. They demolished the city. They demolished the temple. They got rid of all the the cultural ways of life, the way that things people uh, went about their lives. The, the lifestyles and their values were destroyed, and many of the Jewish people were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The people were crushed, they were demoralized, beyond any sense of hope. Well, if you fast forward decades later, there were actually some of the Jewish people released from captivity to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. But as you will imagine, you've got a demolished city. There's, there's nothing there. There's no government, there's no leadership, there's no infrastructure, there's no jobs. And the people tried, but without uh, any success. So it was a hopeless, hopeless situation. 140 years later, a very ordinary man who was a cupbearer to the king felt a tremendous burden for the people of his nation, a burden for his city. And he began to cry out to God on behalf of his people, on behalf of his city. His name was Nehemiah. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a contractor. He didn't even have an Instagram account. And yet he had a burden he had a God-ordained passion. And this is somebody, therefore, that we can relate to. We might not have positions or, uh, of authority. We haven't been commissioned. But what we do have, and this is what qualifies us, is that God-given passion to do something that matters. Wanting to make a difference. If you were with us last week you will have heard that Nehemiah was heartbroken. He sat down to cry. In fact, he wept, he mourned, and he fasted for quite some time. He then knelt down to pray, again just petitioning God, his heavenly Father. And then he stood up to act. He said, somebody has got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. Now, with no expense spared this morning, we have actually flown in Nehemiah to share some of his story. What a flight. I won't be flying with Persian carpet airways again. It were a bit too windy for me. Look at me here. In future, I'll stick with best airline in the world. Yorkshire Airways, not Airways, Yorkshire Airways. Any road, let me introduce myself. My name is Nehemiah, trusted food and wine taster for the ruler of the Persian Empire. For all those who are able, Rise for the king.
<clears throat> you may bow. The king is in the building. Uh-huh. <laughs> you may see, be seated. At the royal palace of Susa, my story must really start, where God began a deep work in me that completely changed my heart. My brother arrived from Judah, along with some other men. So I asked them about the captive Jews who had returned to Jerusalem. They told me the survivors of the exile were in trouble, for Jerusalem's gates had been burned down. The city's walls were rubble. This news was so upsetting, I could do no else but weep and fast and pray to the God of heaven. I was sad and I couldn't sleep. On me knees I sobbed me sorrows for sins needed to be confessed, for Israel's broken promises were the reason God had not blessed. So, I resolved to approach my master when the opportunity arose and I prayed for the king's compassion that he wouldn't turn up his nose. It was nearly four months later as I was serving the royal wine He asked me out of deep concern. I can tell that things are not fine. Why the sad face? Are you ill? You look weighed down with struggles. For I was always cheerful in his presence and never beset me troubles. The king, I was quaking in my sandals when I replied to his majesty. Oh king, why should I not be sad? When Jerusalem is nothing but debris, the king's next comment astounded me. Well, what is your request? If it please, your royal highness, could I travel out far west? The rebuilding of the city walls is the first phase of my mission. Then constructing the wooden gates, if I have your royal permission. How long will this trip take? And when will you return? These building jobs, they always overrun, and that's my main concern. So I gave the king a definite time, and he rubber-stamped the deal. He gave me letters of safe passage, impressed with his royal seal. Having inspected this three days after my arrival, on, out into night I stole and quietly assessed the damage, for I hadn't told a soul. Having inspected the city walls and gates, it was time to end me sneaking, for I needed to announce God's future plans and hold a council meeting. So I gathered the city leaders with much bemusement on their face when I told them of my vision to regenerate the place. 
Next, I relayed the desire that God had pressed on my heart of his plans for his people and how the king had played his part. That's fantastic. Let's rebuild the wall, they said, united to a man. We rolled up our sleeves and with happy hearts. So the building work began. Oh, a few huge thank you to Nehemiah and Artaxerxes for, for being with us today. So we have some questions. How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? We're going to be very practical in our approach this morning, but we also want the Spirit of God to move in our hearts and empower us to do the work to make a difference. So our, the first thing we need to do is to seek God faithfully. So Nehemiah went before God, praying again and again. He heard the news about what was taking place in Jerusalem in the month of Kislev. And he began to cry out to God until the month of Nisan. This is four months of crying out to God. He's fasting, he's hurting, he's praying. He's seeking the God of heaven. But why? He's asking God to lead his steps. We have no idea how difficult it would have been for Nehemiah, a cupbearer, to have gone before the king. As Ian shared with us last week, you don't bring bad news to a king, you only take bad news. And so Nehemiah would have been in a very difficult place. Like, woe betide anyone that comes before the king and delivers anything but good news. Nehemiah had been sad in the king's presence before. The king noticed and asked, why does your face look sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. You see, the king can see that Nehemiah is disturbed in spirit. And verse 4 says, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Now watch him again. How many times do you see this? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. What I hope you'll notice here is that Nehemiah was somebody who'd been walking intimately with God for some time. And because of that intimacy that he had with God, he's now in a place where he can just fire up the arrow prayers God, help me. Give me the words. Give me wisdom. Direct my steps. Lord, show me what to do. Show me the way. We need to be like Nehemiah. We need to be able to have those extended times of prayer, weeping before God, crying out heartfelt prayers, so that we can then send those text-like prayers up to him. We've already been talking. This isn't about having our quiet time. This isn't having our devotional time with him. This is about walking intimately with him. We need to remember that there's nothing too big or too small for God in prayer. There's nothing that is beyond his power and there's nothing too small for his heart. He cares about all of it. If it's a burden to you, then take it to God. Because he cares for you. Present your request to him. 
ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I just want to speak to somebody here today. If you've got a heart for something, if you've got a vision for something, and prayer isn't necessary for you to accomplish the goal, then maybe your vision, your thinking is not big enough. You want something so big, so full of faith, that you need the power of God to come and to make it happen. So what do you do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? The first thing you do is to seek God faithfully. Then secondly, define the vision clearly. I want you to see the crystal clear clarity of an ordinary man with a vision for God. The king says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I see you're upset. What do you want me to do? Nehemiah responds, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, listen to this, let me... Let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. So one sentence, absolute clarity. Please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. For most of us, it's not a lack of caring that is the problem, but it's a lack of clarity. I might ask you, what do you want to do? And some of you are going to say, I want to help children. Okay, so you want to help children, but which children? Is it those that don't have their basic needs met? Is it those that can't read? Is it those that have been abused? Where are these children? Are there people in your city, in your town? Are they in, a, in another country? You need to clarify the vision. If you can't define it, it's not going to happen. We need to define it clearly. Nehemiah said, please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. So in a sentence, what is it that God is calling you to do? We need to make it really clear. You might say, God is leading me to foster children under the age of five. Uh, he's calling me to open a coffee bar or a charity shop. It might be that he's saying to you, I want you to share my love for the people in your office by the end of the year. I'm going to match my church giving with the amount that I spend on food every month. Maybe it's inviting a different person to church every month for the rest of the year. If it's clear, if it's definable, then most likely it is doable. So have a think in a sentence. What is it that God is calling you to do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. And you make plans carefully. The problem with a goal without a plan is that it's just a wish. Some of us are just wishing. We need to make a plan and honor God. Some of the most spiritual things we can often do is to just get organized. God is a systematic God. There's 24 hours in every day. There is seven days in every week. He is a God of order. 
Look at how specifically Nehemiah laid out his plans. Verse 6 says, The king with the queen sat beside him asked. I think it's really good when the king and queen uh, sat together because, you know what, her presence can really influence the response that's given. So they're sitting together and the king says, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Then notice Nehemiah's response. He's not saying, I don't have a clue. I'll have to phone a friend. He's saying, if it pleases the king... Uh, sorry, it, he said it pleased the king so to send me, so I set a time. So whatever it was, he set a specific time with the king. He also then asked again, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, will you get me some more protection, please? Send letters to those who are in charge. And whilst you're at it, May I also have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temples and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. What did he do? He asked for protection and he asked for provision. He's very clear. I need protection to travel and I need provision in order to build So Nehemiah sought God. He was led by the Spirit of God. It was God that directed his words, directed his steps. He was incredibly clear about what he was going to do. Created a plan and said, this is how I'm going to accomplish it. And then he said, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Now, the plan doesn't have to be perfect. It's better to execute a plan today with passion than it is to execute a perfect plan without passion. The important thing is we need to get the ball rolling. Now, I know that God has got a plan for me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody in my community. So anyone that I meet... In the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, how can I share Jesus? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus to those that I'm coming in contact with? But then I'm passionate about people. But when I look at the needs around me, when I look at the responsibilities that I'm carrying as a wife, as a mother, and also the burden that I feel, the desperate need for people to hear the good news of the gospel, and receive the knowledge of the life-transforming power of coming into a relationship with him, I can just feel overwhelmed by the magnitude of it all. So where do I begin? My plan is simple. It's to do the next right thing. Step by step, faithfulness by faithfulness. Success is being faithful to do the right thing today. So, be clear. What is your plan? What's God calling you to do? You want to start a ministry? Go and find someone who's already involved in that ministry. Ask questions. Listen to them. Find out what they have to say about it. 
What are the challenges? What are the obstacles? What are the joys in the ministry? If you've got an idea, maybe you need to, to go online, take an online class, find a mentor, write a business plan, listen to a podcast, whatever it is, do the next right thing. So let's remind ourselves, what do we do? We seek God faithfully. We define the vision clearly. We make plans carefully. And now we need to inspire people passionately. And I'm going to warn you, this will be discussed next week. When you step out in faith, you are likely going to face opposition. You're going to have the, the people that just seem to have the gift of discouragement come alongside you. And they will say, but God might not be with you. You'll probably fail. It's not possible. We're never going to be able to accomplish this. Anyone recognize people like this? But we are called to stand with whatever faith God has given us to inspire people passionately that all things are possible with God. Now, Nehemiah acknowledges that things are good. He says, you see the trouble we're in? I like that. It's authentic. It's telling the truth. He's not sweeping things under the carpet and just pretending that everything is okay. No. You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Then what does he say? Come on, everybody who believes. All the people from the homeland, people of the one true God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. He encourages people, he inspires people to believe that God is behind everything that he's doing. And he tells them about how the gracious hand of God was upon him and what the king said to him. Our God is with us. He's working for us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's got the power to bring that which I've spoken to pass. I always think of that, of that passage. It says, write down the vision, make it plain. It shall surely come to pass. God wants to give favor to the hearts of people. Our God is with us. How did the people respond? They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. We are to inspire people passionately. And I just love what John Wesley said. He said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Now, I want to honor someone this morning. And I just want to apologize in advance because you probably feel quite embarrassed. But... I've seen these principles outworking in somebody's life. I want to speak about my husband, your pastor this morning. It's the recognition of the desperate need for Jesus in the lives of men and women in this nation and beyond that inspires him to inspire others. Now, I've known Ian for quite a long time, and his favorite thing to do is to inspire others with what is possible. The first thing I, conversation I ever had with him, I think, was how he could build a church that was going to make a national and an international impact. And he has never stopped talking about it. 
At the age of 18, I remember he, he told me about how he began a youth church, one other person in his bedroom, and within a year or so, he's got 120 young people gathering together, not in his bedroom at this stage, but he has 120 young people gathered together every Saturday doing a Bible school. And in the afternoon, they're out doing outreach in the community. When he moved up to Nottingham years later, there was a, a youth group of 30 people. And again, over the course of a year or so, that number had increased to over 100 young people. He inspired, he encouraged people. People began to see what was possible, and many were added to their number. Whether it was networking with churches across the Middle East or being a guest speaker at conferences, working with businessmen and entrepreneurs, he has continually just inspired and encouraged people to move to the next level. So it was the sense of the call of God upon his life that caused us to leave the Middle East after 10 years of serving out there. He wanted to do full-time what he was only able to do part-time when he was out there. We weren't wanted to be the rich fools found gathering into barns uh, without having fulfilled the call of God upon our lives. And so we left Saudi Arabia not knowing where we were going, what God had called us to, to go to. And that's how we ended up here at Fullwood. So when called to the church at Fullwood, what did we do? What did he do? Well, we continued to seek God faithfully. It took nine months to pray, to seek God, to find out what his heart was for the church. He took time to go around the small groups, as I did, to, to speak to people and find out what is on your heart. What's the history of the church? What are your, what's your passions? What are your desires moving forward? I think we'd all agree that in January this year, Ian then defined the vision clearly. It was, our vision, of course, is summed up in the word creed. We exist to celebrate God's kingdom by reaching people with his message, establishing them as members of his family, equipping them to Christ-like maturity, and deploying them for ministry and mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. That was a great vision. Succinct, it's clear. Ian made plans carefully. And anyone who spent any time discussing the vision with him will have grasped the depth of thinking and planning that went into that vision. It's biblical, it's Christ-centered, kingdom-focused, and it's specific. He's laid out clear, practical, concrete steps that explain how the creed vision can be fulfilled or implemented. And also, how the implementation can be measured in terms of its success. But I think what is most important is the fact that everyone can get involved. Everyone has got a part to play. He now continues to inspire people passionately to see the fulfillment of this vision. And so many of you, I know, have been inspired to lay hold of different aspects of this and see it fulfilled. 
Individuals and teams of people have risen up, and we've seen the launch of new ministries. We've got the, the second half of Living, which has, uh, has been launched for the more mature members of, of our congregation. We've got the interns program that's been started. We've got media teams emerging to, to create greater reach possibilities. And many have been added to our number on a Sunday. New small groups have begun. And every one of us has now been given access to the right media resources, which means that we can be equipped for the works of ministry. So why are we doing all this? What's it all about? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He cares about people who are hurting. He cares about those who are broken. And we are to reflect his heart to the world that is around us. We're seeking to fill heaven with people who need the grace of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know of someone who is in need of the grace of God in their lives? Invite them to come in so they can experience the unconditional love of Jesus who's changed each one of us. Get them into the presence of God and bring them back week after week. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in their lives that we have no power to do ourselves. There is no one who is too far away from the reach of God. There's nobody that God can't bring into his love and into his grace. What is it that you care about? Let it break your heart to the point where you just can't keep it to yourself. It just oozes out of you. What burdens you this morning? We can share the saving love and grace of God with our community. We can empty foster homes and give kids great homes. We can help people be free from addictions. We can save marriages from divorce by revealing the truth of God's goodness. We can help people heal from the pain that's troubling their hearts. Do we believe that this morning? Nehemiah said, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And the people replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began the good work. So what is it that you care about? It's not an accident. God has entrusted it to you. If it bothers you more than the people around you, then maybe you've been given an assignment that nobody else has. The burden you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. But I'm an ordinary person. I don't feel qualified. I'm totally unprepared. Well, congratulations. You're exactly the kind of person that God loves to use. So how do we make a difference? How do we do the good work? Number one, we seek God faithfully. Number two, we define the vision clearly. Number three, we make plans carefully. And number four, inspire people passionately. And as you step out in faith, you can watch God do far more than you could ever imagine. Now, there are many of you that are going to have that sense that God has got so much more for you to do. And you are ready. You're waiting. Good to act. 
So what's your plan? The next right thing. For some of you, it's acknowledging that there is a next right thing to do. Some of you grew up in church, but you're not feeling that you've got that thriving personal relationship with Jesus. Others of you might not have been in church at all. You hear the word Nehemiah and you're like, what or who is Nehemiah? Well, that's great. You are more than welcome here with us today. If you know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus or to re-surrender to him, then I just want to, as we enter back into a time of worship, have a worship team back, please. I just want to give opportunity for people to surrender their lives back to him. Say yes to God. There are two prayers that I'm wanting to pray. So the first one is going to be for surrender. And the second one is one for direction. So if you could just please stand and we can pray together. So if you feel that this prayer for re-surrender is for you, do, do talk to one of the pastors after the service and we would love to talk to you about your next steps. So Father, Lord, we just want to turn to you. Father, I just ask that you forgive all my sin. Lord, I receive Jesus' free gift of salvation. I ask that you would change me. You'd make me new. You'd fill me with your spirit so I can do what you've called me to do. Lead me step by step into your perfect will, into your perfect way. My life is all yours. Lord, I want to thank you for new life. And I give you mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I also pray, Lord, that we would excel at seeking you, that we would be a people of prayer. You've got our hearts, Father. And I just want to pray today for anyone who's feeling especially burdened, that they don't know what it is that they're to do, what you've called them to do. So they may feel either a prompting to start something of their own or join in whatever you're already working at in that area. Father, whatever it is that you have for us to do, I pray that we would have a clarity of vision. We may hear the voice of your spirit saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, give us an increased sensitivity to your Holy Spirit speaking to us. Help us do the next right thing. Father, use our faith and passion to inspire others to make a difference, to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Father, take our lives and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's just worship him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Fix your eyes on Jesus this morning. <laughs>